You are listening to the podcast of Providence Church in Austin, Texas. We hope this message raises your affections for Jesus and helps you live out the gospel in everyday life. I want to set the scene uh, for all of you. Uh, I want all of you to enter in uh, to the story today, all right? So you and your family and your friends, and in fact, your entire nation, have been in slavery under brutal oppression for 400 years, okay? And then you have been, you're in the midst of this great journey. You've been led out of your land of slavery, and you're making your way towards freedom. Right? You come up to this great sea, and you don't know what's going to happen now? It's this huge block, this barrier. But suddenly, the, the sea parts in two, like, obviously, nothing you have ever seen or imagined before. And so you just, you and your people, you start making your way across the dry land. A sort of uproar begins to happen, and you look back, and you see your enemy, the, the people from the land of, of, of slavery are approaching you. They are behind you. They are right on your heels. And so you pick things up, you're going as fast as you can, and as soon as you get to the other side of the shore, as soon as the very last person gets up uh, off onto the other side of the shore, you look back just in time to see the waters just collapse with this huge, loud, mighty clap, and your enemies are completely swallowed and destroyed. And you're standing there, you're looking out uh, over the sea, right, you feel a, a huge sense of relief. You take a deep breath in, you exhale, you're still filled with a little bit of, uh, you're filled with some angst, some anxiety, you've got adrenaline just running through your blood, and you begin to rest a little bit. And then, sort of out of nowhere, you you hear this voice sort of chime up. It's a a voice that you've heard before. It's, It's the voice of your leader, Normally, your leader, he's the, he's the one who, uh, when you hear his voice, he's given you the commands of God. He's given you the message from God, what God wants you to do as the people. But this time, the voice only is singing, is singing a song. And you look over, and it's Moses, and he's, he's making his way through the crowd, and he is inviting anyone and everyone to, to join with him. He's grabbing people. There's people grabbing tambourines, and they start dancing. And you can't but help be swept up in what is going on. The entire nation of Israel begins singing and celebrating and dancing and rejoicing over what God has just done. Uh, The Exodus uh, is the defining story of redemption for the nation of Israel. And crossing the Red Sea was the the climax uh, of their redemption. This is the promised deliverance that they had been clinging to for 400 years, and it's happening right now. God has rescued them. He has defeated their enemies. They don't have to fear anymore. It's on to the promised land. And the first thing that they do is they sing a song of praise to the Lord. We have been saying all along uh, from the, our, since our beginning in, in this series of Exodus that this great book of Exodus lays out for us a storyline of redemption, not just for Israel, uh, but also for us as well. And the storyline has gone uh, something like this so far, right? First comes slavery and brutal oppression, 
then crying out to God for help and rescue. God then hears us, and with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, he leads us out. He delivers us out of slavery. And then the next part of the storyline is singing. Like, think about that for just a minute. Exodus 1 through 14, 14 chapters, it's it's this great uh, redemptive narrative. It's one of the greatest stories in all of literature. And then here in the next chapter, Exodus 15, the narrative just sort of stops and pauses for a minute. It it doesn't advance the story really in any way. It just tells us that Moses and the people sing to the Lord. This is significant. But it's also, uh, if we are willing to admit, it's a little bit strange, isn't it? Uh, The entire nation of Israel, uh, which earlier in Exodus uh, we read was roughly 600,000 people. Okay? So these 600,000 people were gathered around just singing together. It's, it's an odd scene if you just think about it in a vacuum, if you think about it as an isolated event. A large group of people standing around, gathered, singing together is increasingly becoming a rare event. It doesn't happen very often, especially in our American culture. We don't really have what I would call a singing culture here in America. We have a music culture for sure, but that is more defined by uh, consumption rather than uh, contributing our voices. And when it comes uh, to singing, there's lots of you that could just, you could take it or leave it, right? Uh, But the Bible doesn't really give us uh, that option. The Bible contains over 400 references uh, to singing. It gives us 50 direct commands to sing. I did a little bit of looking around, a little bit of studying this week, and I discovered that the number one command in Scripture is to pray, right? Number one is prayer. Number two is to sing. We are to sing to the Lord. The command is all throughout Scripture. Probably my favorite of those commands comes in Ephesians 5 and in Colossians 3. Both of them tell us that we are to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody to the Lord, with thankfulness in our hearts to God. Like the sign that the word of Christ dwells in you is that we would sing to God. But this still leaves a question for many of you, which is why? Why are we commanded to sing? Why do we gather here every Sunday and sing songs together? And even those of you that just love singing, right? this is still a really important question. Why do we sing as a church? The Bible commands us to sing, and maybe that's good enough for some of you, but most of you, you're still wondering why. What part does singing play in our worship? What part does singing play in our redemptive story? Well, our text here in Exodus 15 today is going to give us an answer to these questions. And so if you haven't already, go ahead and open up to Exodus 15. I just want you to look at verse 2, just one verse with me. Moses and the people begin singing this song. They said, I will sing to the Lord. And then in verse 2, here's what they say. They're singing this. They said, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. It says that the Lord is what? At the beginning of verse 2, it says, the Lord is my strength. He is my song and my salvation. This is my God. This is our God. And for these reasons, the text says, 
we praise him. We praise God, we sing to the Lord because God is our strength, our song, and our salvation. That's why we sing. Uh, Those are three really big statements, though. And so what I want to do with our time is I want to take them one at a time and see what each of them has to say about our worship of God. Okay, and so the first is, the Lord is my strength. Uh, If you go on to read uh, the rest of that song that Moses and the people sing, uh, verses 4 through 12, it's all about how God is a, a mighty warrior, how he conquered all of Israel's enemies. Right, it says that uh, God cast Pharaoh's chariots and his army into the sea, and he utterly destroyed them. Right, the chariot was uh, the ultimate symbol of, of power and might. Right, a, a chariot allowed you literally to roll over uh, your enemies. And so the country uh, with the most chariots was seen as uh, the most powerful. It would sort of be like you know, nuclear power today. Whoever has the most nuclear power, that's sort of seen as the most uh, powerful country. Uh, and, and so the nation of Israel, just picture this, the nation of Israel is traveling on foot, right? And this mighty army, horses and chariots, is chasing after them and, they're, and they're just their fleet, right? This isn't a fight here, right? Israel does not stand a chance. Uh, they are powerless before the chariots of Egypt, except for one thing, right? God, Yahweh, is a warrior and he is fighting for them. Song says that he blew with his nostrils and the waters piled up. Pharaoh's chariots and his host, he just, he tossed them into the sea. He stretched out his hand and the earth swallowed them up. They were destroyed. And so Moses and the people, they sing, they sing, who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? The image here is the Lord is their strength. He defeats their enemies. He alone, God alone, is all-powerful. God alone is in control. And because of that, God alone is worthy of their praise and their worship. Like when you see something awesome, I mean something truly awesome, you respond with a shout. You're just like, whoa! Right? When, when something bad is about to happen to you and then it doesn't, when, when something saves you from that, right? it's a natural impulse to shout. And sometimes we even we sing. Uh, and, and that's what we see here. Moses and the people are singing because it's just a natural response to God's strength in defeating their enemies. God is a victorious warrior, and so they sing to him. Uh, and just like Israel, we too worship God because he is uh, our strength. Right? He defeats uh, our enemies. But our enemy is not chariots and horses. Our enemies are Satan, sin, and death. Like Pharaoh hunted Israel down, Scripture describes Satan as a roaring lion seeking to devour us. We all are powerless against Satan, except for one thing. We have a God, Yahweh, who fights for us. Hebrews 2 says, Since therefore we are a flesh and blood, Jesus himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. You see, we sing because we have been given victory over Satan. He has been disarmed and destroyed through Jesus Christ. 
Israel was enslaved in the land of Egypt, and we too are all slaves of sin. We are powerless against the power of sin. But we have a God, Yahweh, who fights for us. Romans 6 says, For we have been united with Jesus in a death like his. We shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. We sing because sin has been defeated. It has been brought to nothing through Jesus Christ. Israel faced death at the Red Sea. They came face to face with death. And this is the inevitable fate for every human being because the Bible tells us, for the wages of sin is death. But we have a God, Yahweh, who fights for us. 1 Corinthians 15 says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We sing because God fights for us. He defeats all of our enemies. We sing because God is our strength. And notice uh, that uh, it says, and, and the people sing, God is our strength, right? Meaning, it's not that God merely strengthens us, but rather that God is our very strength. Uh, I have a young daughter, Ruby. Uh, she is adorable. Uh, she's about to turn one. I'm about to celebrate uh, her first birthday here in a few weeks. Uh, and she is very mobile. She's getting all over the place very quickly. We have to watch out for her. Uh, but she's not yet walking. Uh, she doesn't quite have the, the, the strength. And she doesn't quite have the balance to walk. And so I do what every parent does. You, you get behind her and you sort of hold her arms like this and you kind of make the motions for her uh, and, and you walk uh, for her. Because the truth is, is that Ruby does not in and of herself have the power uh, to walk. Uh, and she's very keenly aware of this because eventually she just sort of sits down and she looks up at me, right? And I pick her up. If we truly understood how powerless we are against our enemies, if we truly understood how God fights for us, if we truly understood the victory that he gives us through Christ, it would radically transform our praise of God. We sing because God is our strength. Uh, I'm going to pause here. I'm going to pause a few times throughout our time today because I want to point out some benefits, some fruits of our singing. Right? We sing because God is our strength, and as we do, as we sing, that singing begins to bear fruit in our lives. And so the first benefit or fruit that I want to point out uh, is that singing helps us to remember who God is and what he has done for us. Singing helps us to remember who God is and what he has done for us. Uh, if the Old Testament shows us anything, it's that Israel was a forgetful people. Right? They were constantly filled with doubt, turning their backs on God, forgetting all of the ways in which God had just protected and saved them. We're going to see here, even after this event of crossing the Red Sea, we're going to see the Israelites very quickly forget the ways in which God had delivered them. And just like the Israelites, we are a forgetful people. We need help remembering all who God is and all that God has done for us. And singing is a means of doing that. Songs just have this way of sticking with us that plain speech doesn't. 
me personally, I can think back uh, and, and remember years in school by what album or songs came out that year. Right? If you give me a song, uh, I can tell you what grade I was in, and I can probably sing uh, the chorus for you. All right, can, can any of you else do that? Uh, my, my wife and I were sitting around uh, doing that just this week. Um, there's this band, Weezer, and they have an album called The Blue Album. Right? It came out more than 20 years ago. And that album reminds me of my high school years more than anything else. Right? And I can sing that entire album for you from start to finish. What's with these homies dissing my girl? Why do they got a front? That's right. What did I ever do to these guys to make them so violent? Ooh, ooh, but you know I'm yours. Ooh, ooh, and I know you're mine. Ooh, ooh, that's for all time. Ooh, 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 I look just like Buddy Holly. Oh, 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 and you'll marry Tyler Moore. Why can I do that? Why can I still do that more than 20 years later? Some of you guys are wishing that I hadn't just done that. But why is that? Why can I still do that? It's because songs are powerful. Right? They, they stick with us. Songs are an integral part of how we remember. Most of you cannot probably recite for me Hebrews 9.22. Right? But what if I asked you to give me the next line? What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's right. right. Songs like that help us to remember what Hebrews 9 tells us, that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. Or how many of you can recite to me any part of Lamentations chapter 3? Right? Not many of you. But how many of you can sing for me the chorus of Great is Thy Faithfulness? Right, that great hymn helps us to remember the truths of Lamentations 3, that God's mercies are new every morning, that great is his faithfulness. Uh, singing not only helps us to remember, but it also helps us to understand what God has done. Right, songs have a way of, of taking important truths about God and helping them to make sense to us, helping them to sink deeper into our lives. And one of my favorite examples of this is a song that we sing regularly here in our gathered worship called Awake My Soul. In the second verse of that song, we sing, this grace gives me fear, this grace draws me near, and all that it asks, it provides. That one simple line helps me to understand the beauty of how the gospel of God's grace both justifies us and sanctifies us. We are made right with God through Jesus, and then the gospel asks that we become like Jesus. But the beauty of the gospel is that it also provides the power that we need to become like him. All that it asks, it provides. And that song helps me to understand uh, the gospel. Singing helps us to uh, both remember and to understand that God is our strength, that he alone uh, is worthy uh, of our praise. So we sing because God uh, is our strength. Uh, Secondly, we sing because God uh, is our song. That's what the Moses and the people sing. God is our strength and God is our song. Uh, Now, this phrase, God is our song, I don't think is immediately uh, clear to us. So what does it mean? What what does it mean that the Lord is our song? They're not singing that the Lord is the subject of their song, but rather that the Lord is their song. And so let me point out just a few things 
that we see here that I think are going to help us uh, understand this phrase a little bit. Uh, The first thing I think we see is that uh, our worship, our praise, is very personal. Right? Notice the language in these first two verses here. It says, I will sing to the Lord. Right? And then it goes on in, in verse 2, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. Right? This is very personal language. We don't just sing and worship the Lord God. We worship my Lord God. It's a very personal expression. We're singing out of a very personal experience of God. And so when Moses sings here that God is his song, right, he's not saying that God has literally lyrics or words on a page. Right? He's singing that the Lord is his delight, that God is his joy. If you were to say that someone is your rock, that's an expression that we use often, you're not saying that they're literally your rock, right? You're saying that they're your foundation, they're your strength, they're your, your support, right? And when, when we say that God is our song, we're saying that God is our chief joy, right? That we cherish and delight in him. There's something inevitable uh, about praise. Praise is uh, it's simply an overflow of our joy, right? You cannot help but praise what you enjoy and delight in. A few examples, like what's going to happen this fall uh, when, hopefully, the Longhorns score a touchdown, right? What happens after someone wins an Olympic medal? What happens after your child takes their first steps or they graduate from high school? What do we do in those moments? We rejoice, we clap, we shout, we celebrate, we sing. Why? Because it's inevitable, right? It's a natural expression of our joy. We praise what we value, what we appreciate, whether it's a touchdown, whether it's an Olympic record, whether it's through a son or a daughter. Uh, C.S. Lewis said it like this. He said, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. Do you hear what he's saying there? He's saying praise completes delight. Right? Singing is a part of our salvation story because it enriches and completes the joy we feel of all that God has done for us. And here we come to another fruit of our singing. Singing deepens our appreciation and our joy of God. Eugene Peterson says that singing is heightened speech. And what he's getting at there is that singing, it moves us. It's like if words could like get up and dance. Songs stir our affections in ways that words just can't. There's a difference between saying, come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy praise. There's a difference between that and, and come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Those two things feel very different. Uh, One of my favorite examples of this, uh, of how song stirs our affections is the hymn, uh, It Is Well With My Soul. Uh, The third verse uh, in that uh, hymn says, my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross. I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, oh, my soul. 
Singing that line with the, with the melody and the meter, it has a way of moving us. It, it has a way of stirring our affections to such a greater degree than merely just reading words on a page. Right? Music and singing moves us emotionally. And listen, your relationship with Jesus, it includes your emotional life. Right? It includes your affections for him. It's not just about what you know about him. And so the greater way uh, to a life of, of worship of God, the way to a greater life of worship and praise of God is to deepen your joy and your delight in God. And so ask yourself, what does your praise of God reflect to others about your joy or about your lack of joy? And my prayer for you and my prayer for Providence Church today is that our praise of God, that our singing would reflect a deep, great sense of joy and delight in God. I long for us, you guys, Providence Church, to be filled with such joy and delight in God that it would overflow, that it would spill into a life of praise of God. Our worship is personal, and that's part of what it means that the Lord is our song but our worship is not just personal, it's also corporate. I'm sure you've noticed that Moses is not singing here a solo performance. Everyone, the entire nation, 600,000 people have joined him in this song. It's a personal song, but it's also very corporate. It tells us that gathered praise is crucial to our joy and delight and worship of God. Moses and the people sing together because they were delivered and rescued and redeemed as an entire nation, right? All 600,000 of them were led out of Egypt. All 600,000 of them were led through the waters of the Red Sea. And so all 600,000 of them gather together on the shores and sing together, lift up their voices. And the same is true for us. The Bible says that we Providence. We are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that we might proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called us out of darkness and into His marvelous light. We gather as God's people to proclaim and sing together about the excellencies of our great God and what He has done for us. Uh, Another fruit of our singing is that singing binds us together and brings unity. When we gather here on Sundays, singing songs, we are singing the same exact words with the same passion and the same experience of God's grace. And that is powerful. And so the implication of Exodus 5 and the implication of the rest of Scripture is that we are to sing together. And I know some of you are feeling, well, you know, if I had a voice like Mary Claire or Kelsey, then, then maybe I would sing a little bit louder. Right, but look, the question is not, do you have a voice? And the question is certainly not, do you have a good voice? The question is, do you have a song? And all of you that have been redeemed by Jesus, all of you that have been united with him, you have a song to sing. And we must not miss out on the opportunity to unite our voices together and to sing as God's people. There's something powerful that happens when we gather together and lift our voices 
It binds us together. It brings unity. And this is exactly what we see with Moses and the people. Look, at, look how they come together and they sing about their God. They say, who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? So we sing because God is our strength. We sing because God is our song. Uh, and lastly, uh, we sing because God is our salvation. Uh, Look at verse 13. I want to point out a few things about this verse. It says, You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. You have led in your steadfast love. The Lord is our salvation. And that means that he loves us in Christ. This song tells us that God was committed to Israel with a steadfast love. And he is committed to you with that same kind of love. And so we sing how deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure. That he would give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. First John says, what marvelous love the Father has extended to us. Just look at it. We're called children of God. This is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world. This is the kind of love we are talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice. The Lord is our salvation. And that means that he loves us deeply. Moses sings in verse 13, you have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. God redeemed Israel. He led them out of slavery and he brought them back into his possession. And God has redeemed us as well. The word redeemed means to buy back. The Lord is our salvation and that salvation came at great cost to himself. God has purchased our redemption, not from the blood of goats or bulls, but through the blood of Jesus, his own son. And so we sing, why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer, but this I know with all my heart, that Jesus' wounds have paid my ransom. See, the Lord is our salvation, and that salvation came at great cost to himself. It, It cost him his one and only son. And again, Moses sings in verse 13, he says, you have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. God saved Israel from Egypt, not so that they could be just, just be free from slavery, but so that they would be led into the promised land so that, where they would dwell with God, worshiping and enjoying him. And we too have been saved, not just to be freed from slavery to sin, but we have been saved to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Jesus did not merely secure our salvation. Jesus is our salvation. And so we sing of Jesus, our salvation. I want to finish with one last benefit or fruit of our singing. 
Singing is a means of anchoring our hope. Singing is a means of anchoring our hope. I know for me, I don't always feel the words that we sing together. I don't always feel that the Lord is my salvation. I don't always feel the, uh, free from guilt and condemnation. I don't always feel that God loves me. And so why do I sing those words? Am I, am I being a hypocrite? Are, are those songs just not true? Are they not a, a good reflection of reality? Are they not grounded in reality? No. I'm singing in order to anchor my hope. I'm singing in order to speak truth and hope into the midst of my doubts. I'm singing in order to move my thoughts and feelings toward a greater reality than my current circumstances. When I personally feel weighed down by my sin, when I feel the overwhelming sense of guilt and shame and condemnation, I sing words like, when Satan tempts me to despair, when he tells me of the guilt within, Upward I look, I see him there who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God, the just, is satisfied to look on Jesus and to pardon me. Singing those words anchors my hope. Because Jesus is my salvation. Jesus is our salvation. The Lord is our strength, he is our song, and he is our salvation. And so we sing with hearts full of praise. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Providence Church. For more resources and info, visit us online at www.providenceaustin.com.